0: Hey guys, welcome back to Paul's of the Wall. This is your host, Mike Paul, live again from Freedom Fest, joined by my brother Nick Paul. And our guest right now is Jim Babka, who is the president of the Agenda Setters by Downsize DC. So Jim, how are you doing today? I am great. Having a good time. Cool. So we were chatting a little bit off the air about uh, what you're doing and and why you Mm -hmm. want to talk to us. But go ahead and elaborate who you are and and what your agenda is. Well, uh, I'm
1: a uh, libertarian since the mid-90s and uh, worked on the Harry Brown campaign. In 2000 as his press secretary When the campaign was over uh, we set up some other organizations and eventually one of those evolved into downsize DC and I've been the president of downsize DC since uh, 2004 okay and uh, what is it today that you are promoting well uh, the main thing that we're uh, I'm going around talking about here today at, at this conference is the one subject at a time act so here's a bill that would limit uh, all these omnibus bills where they kind of roll all this stuff together they cluster completely unrelated things that kind of Log roll it through. Uh, The one subject at a time act deals with that. It says that every bill should have a clear descriptive title and that everything in the bill must uh, comply with that clear one topic title. So no more combining, you know, uh, an online gambling prohibition, for example, with a a defense spending bill. Right. Because what happens is these Congress people are forced by their leadership to vote on things or for things that they would never vote for. Uh, I grew up in a generation where we had Schoolhouse Rock on our Saturday morning cartoons, right? Oh, yeah. oh, and remember. there was yeah. Bill. Today, I'm <laughs> still just a Bill, right? Yep. And Bill was sitting there all lonely on Capitol Hill. Well, that's not—that's a farce. That's not how Congress does things. Uh, the leadership of Congress, uh, the leaders of the committees, the actual leadership in the House and the Senate, the majority leader and so forth. They, they actually put the bills together, and very little of that is left to the so-called backbenchers. All the other members, your representative potentially, is doesn't have a whole lot of say. They just get to vote at the, at the end, and they end up having to vote for a lot of things that they oppose. And they go home at election time and they get challenged by their opponents uh, and saying, look, they voted for this, they voted for that. But a lot of times it was stuffed in these sure to pass bills, defense appropriation bills, highway funding bills that are just stuffed full of pork, stuffed full of a whole bunch of things that could not stand alone if they if they worked the way Schoolhouse Rock described it to you. And so we we formed a bill here that would be a law. It's a binding law. Uh, and the way that it's binding, we came up with a clever enforcement mechanism, and it's true for all three. We have uh, bills uh, called Read the Bills and Write the Laws that are part of this suite or set. But all three of these bills have an enforcement clause, which is if you find yourself in the dock, you're being charged with violating a law that Congress passed where they violated the provision, say of the one subject to a Time Act, you could present that evidence to the judge and he can kick the case with the impunity he's directed to. So they can pass the bills, they can still go through the motions can't arrest them for not for not doing their job correctly Uh, but if but if they uh if they do it you're not going to be held responsible for that and that's that's the teeth that we've put into this so it's not a mere rule uh the one subject at a time act would actually protect you from congress clustering all these things together and because these backbenchers would no longer be stuck having to vote for these massive clustered omnibus bills they would be able to vote one at a time on these things we think there's a reason that a lot of them would support it and it turns out they are uh, we have, we're introduced to the Senate, and we're introduced in the House with 10 co-sponsors.
0: Okay, and what's the reaction been like to it? Have you guys been met with a lot of resistance
1: on this, or has it been pretty well, well received? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something that naturally the leadership wants, right. and a lot of people, the way Congress works, they don't understand this, is the, the, the backbenchers are very receptive to leadership because a lot of their funding for the re-election campaign will be directed through through uh, leadership committees. And so they they, fo- they find that they have to follow a lot of rules. Uh, Tom Massey and, and, and Ken Buck and a handful of others over the last few years have tried to expose this system. Justin Amash, a few others have tried to show, show people that there really was kind of almost a pay-to-play system that operates in both the Republican and Democratic caucus. Right. And, and that you have to follow certain rules and cast certain votes. And what typically happens, it's not unusual for the majority leader staff or the uh, speaker staff to come down and tell uh representatives of Congress, how they will vote. They will give them instructions. So, you know, we have this, this belief that we're sending off people to Washington to represent us, but it doesn't actually end up working out that way. They're actually representing the leaders of their party. So there is, maybe, there is that resistance. Now, is the same resistance in existence here in South Dakota or outside the Beltway? No. When I share these ideas with people outside, almost everybody's for them. And that's probably one of the most wonderful things about this proposal. It is transpartisan. You don't need to be a Republican or a Democrat to agree with this. And, in fact, if your party's in the minority, and we've been around long enough to know this, if your party's in the minority, you favor this idea a whole lot more, right? Because right. Stuff's, the stuff's getting crammed down your throats coming from the other team. So what we got to do is get everybody to the point, American people, to, and and we need a unique strategy for passing this, that awakens enough people where they, they realize that this is in their best interest and a way to get representation back.
2: So to me, it seems crazy that there would be any opposition to this, because if you just presented the average American voter with this idea, this very simple thing, like when you're introducing a bill, it should be just about this one thing, it seems like everybody would go, well, yeah, of course, isn't that how it's already done? They probably don't even know of things like omnibus bills and diff- like yeah. big packages that go through annually. So to me, it's like the biggest demonstration of how our republic democracy doesn't actually function The way that we're taught like you mentioned schoolhouse rock like this isn't how this actually works yes and to me that's a huge even if you're like let's say you're not successful in actually getting this policy through i think you are going to be successful in just red pilling people showing them like hey look at something so simple that seems like it's just anti-corruption that they rejected that on both sides so to me it's it's uh it's great to see this initiative just to like, you know, tell the politicians, put your money where your mouth is, or we're gonna expose you as liars and corrupt.
1: So missionally speaking, you when you set up an organization like Agenda Ciders by Downsize DC, you're a nonprofit organization, mm-hmm. and as a nonprofit organization, your number one objective is supposed to be some kind of charitable or educational function. Right. In our case, we have a public education function. And so I agree with you to the degree that we can we can make that statement, we can uh, introduce or share uh, with people these ideas, get them to think about this stuff for the first time or become aware of it. We are fulfilling that educational mission, so we're doing the thing that we're supposed to do. Absolutely. But we we went one step further because actually, Nick, the, the biggest problem is that there is almost a, an apathy that sets in. People think, well, you're never going to succeed at this. You're not going to be able to get it passed. So over the years, we've been working on trying to refine and build a strategy. Uh, Agenda Setters is a brand new uh, version of Downsize DC with a brand new strategy for trying to get this passed, where we believe we only need 300 people in a congressional district, in most of the congressional districts. So we're probably talking about 100,000 to 200,000 people to pass any bill we want to pass, as long as the bill has fairly transpartisan support, right? So it's not—it's it, about wearing down their resistance. So here's what we're proposing to do. We have a—we have two strategies we're—we're we're, we're leveraging. Uh, the first one is called the 300, and we got it. You know, I'll—I'll I'll be honest with you, a little sheepishly. It's the movie, right? The 300, the standing yeah. Thermopylae, right? Yeah. Look at get. what they were able to accomplish. I'm a sucker right? for it. Sure, oh, so, yeah. good, good. <laughs> but you know, uh, we think we might be able to do it with just waves of of three, five, and six people at a time all going into their congressional office, marching into the office and saying, we want you to pass the one subject at a time act or any of the other bills that we're, we have on our website at downsizedc.org." And uh, they'll just go in, in, in groups, and you know, some people are not comfortable or gifted or silver-tongued or they would feel awkward going by themselves. So they go in a group, it's a small group, pick your spokesperson or spokespersons, anybody that wants to kind of hide a little bit and just be moral support, kind of be along for the ride, great. If you're somebody who's a little more outgoing, you could be the spokesman for the group or one of the spokesmen. Kind of figure that out ad hoc. Three, five, or six, going in with day after day until all 300 people have been through the office, right? right. You just keep coming and coming and coming and coming so that it feels like there's some intensity in that. Now, some offices, the first visit, they're going to go, well, I love this idea, and they're going to sign on. And right. some of them, it's going to take all 300, and there's going to be a few holdouts that don't do it at all. But the goal is for us not to get everybody. We just got to get a majority. Right. Because the way that the House rules work, if you have a majority, you can use something called a discharge petition, which means a majority of the members sign off and say, we want this brought straight to the floor for a vote, and it comes right to the floor for a vote, up or down. And clearly, if a majority of them have co-sponsored the bill, it's going to pass. So that's our back-end strategy. If it takes that much effort, most of the time, you don't get anywhere near that. Eventually, leadership goes, clearly, there's some support for this. There's momentum for it it finds its way to the floor or they find a way try to find maybe more devious ways to kill it but they do usually bring it to the floor long before a discharge petition it's very rarely invoked so uh, so we have a strategy either way to do that but we wanted to deal with this apathy problem and so we've added a second strategy called option activism so if you're in the world of finance an option is a promise to do something if certain conditions are met in the future sure right real simple our condition in the future is we're not going to ask you to go in those waves of 3, 5, or 6 until all 300 people are signed up in your congressional district. You'll know then you're not wasting your time. You'll know then other people are going. You're not the only one going to the congressional office. Right, right. And it won't That's just great. be your little group of 3, 5, or 6. That one-on-one contact... We've been in the business uh, for a lot of years of sending messages through electronic means, targeted to the constituents. Now a lot of people are doing that. And so that's kind of become inflated and doesn't work. We think the personal touch is now the way to go. So we're taking this strategy of the 300 and combining it with option activism with a transpartisan bill that we can bring into
0: their offices and hopefully get enough people to co-sponsor it that we can secure a majority. And now, if people wanted to get involved or support uh, the cause, what, where can they find it, more about it, or um, do anything they can do to, to help contribute to it?
1: Yeah, the absolute best thing to do is go to DownsizedDC.org. Downsize DC as in making Capitol Hill, Washington smaller, right? I downsizedc.org, I love it. downsizedc.org. <laughs> And on our website, we've got an action button. There's only six campaigns there right now, and that's on purpose because our goal is to show that we can develop these 300s, and we're working on that right now. Uh, Yesterday alone, we recruited 85 people uh, to join our site. Awesome. So uh, we're we're on a a recruitment effort right now. We need you, if you're in in the sound of my voice right now, go to downsizedc.org, you'll see those six campaigns Including the one subject at a time act listed
0: there, and I hope people will come check us out. Yeah, I strongly encourage everyone listening to do so. That's uh,
2: I'm typing it in right now. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's uh, we, we support the cause. So, uh, Did,
2: uh, well, one quick question: Did you get that that idea of the 300 and the option uh, from like a Kickstarter model? Is that kind of what inspired it?
1: Uh, the option, well, it, it does kind of. I, I see where the resemblance between the two, um, but. It really was from years of trying to get people to act. Right. So, you know, could we get enough letters sent to Congress to get something to happen? And what we found out as years went by more and more is that people have, public choice economists call it rational apathy. Yep. Uh, so inaction's the normal state, right? We know that from physics, right? Things don't move until they're nudged or pushed. And uh, apathy, just the tiniest bit, is enough maybe to keep people from moving. Yeah. And we notice that a lot of people are like, well, this ain't going to work, right? We hear that a lot. I mean, it's a great idea, Jim, but it's not going to happen.
2: Yes. And yeah. so
1: what we were looking to do specifically, the option activism piece, is really about addressing that apathy. We're not asking you to do anything other than sign up and wait until we get back to you until we have that 300. You sign up, you wait, and then when the 300 comes, you've basically made a commitment to go visit. And there's six campaigns there. If we were successful in all of them, you got about six hours, eight hours, 10 hours worth of work in an entire year that you're going to be involved in doing, making one of those visits for one of those bills.
2: Right, right. I, I like that a lot. I mean, I, I, when you're talking about like the, the uh, I forgot what variation of apathy you just Rational said. apathy. Rational apathy. It's like, with YouTube and Twitter, like we know these companies are corrupt and censor speech and it's like, Hey guys, yeah. Odyssey is a really good platform and then it's like, Yeah, but not everybody's there and until yes. everybody else goes, they won't go. So yep. I, I like the idea of like kind of guaranteeing like you don't have any commitment until we're actually ready to go. So yep. I really like that model. I think that's how you could actually like get people moving. So I, I really like this.
0: Thank you, Nick. Absolutely. Well yeah. Everyone listening, like I said, get involved, DownsizedDC.org. DownsizedDC.org. Yep. All right. Well, Jim, anything else? Any closing statements? Anything else you want to close on? Uh, No. Thank you very much, Mike and Nick, for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Jim. Thank you. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card.